Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. So guys, listen, I'm starting a new series today that I titled Pray Your Breakthrough Depends on It. And so this year has been one for the books. I know it's been a very difficult year. But I want to spend some time on prayer to refresh our souls, to give us a sense of encouragement in a season that maybe many of us need some encouragement. One of the most draining things in life is that when you go through situations, you feel like I can't do anything about it. You feel helpless. You feel like, I, you know, I, I thought I could do, but I can't. And all of a sudden we feel like a victim or we feel helpless or we feel like there's nothing we can do. But I believe God wants you to know something today. And I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. Here we go. Say this. I am not a victim. I am an overcomer. Say it again. I am not a victim. I am an overcomer. We are not helpless, my friends. We are not a victim of any situation. We are overcomers in the Lord Jesus Christ. The same spirit that lives in you is the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And so being an overcomer is an understanding of who God is. Being an overcomer is an attitude of the heart, not the reality of our situations. And so we are continuing to lean in and prayer is a very significant thing. God wants you to know that as a believer, you have a very powerful weapon. You are not helpless. You are not a victim. You are not a victim. You are an overcomer. You have options. And prayer is your greatest option. Prayer is your greatest option. And according to the Bible, prayer has a lot of power. James chapter 5 says this, the prayer of a righteous person has great power. Now, God would not tell us that our prayers had great power if they did not have great power because he's not a liar. So there is something in prayer from a person with a relationship with God that you have great power. We need to understand this, that when we face difficulties, when we, when we go through things, you have a tool called prayer that is incredibly powerful. Now, I know this is difficult. Prayer sometimes is difficult for people to wrap their heads around because you're like, yes, but it, I mean, if you have a very high view of God's sovereignty, you're like, well, God's, if God's God, he's just going to do whatever he wants anyway. And there is, there is some realities of that, but there is also some scriptures and some truth that when you pray, something happens. You have great power. To move the needle in, in situations in your life. You have great power to get a breakthrough in your life. And I believe that God wants you to have a breakthrough. God has a great purpose for you. And prayer is so important that you understand. Again, you are not helpless. You have options. And prayer is your greatest option. God is ready and willing to give you a breakthrough. But it doesn't happen spontaneously. It doesn't happen by accident. Breakthroughs happen when we seek them. That's why Jesus invites us often to pray, to seek, to knock. And so this series is looking at different prayers from different people, Old Testament and new, and learning from their prayers about how we can grow in praying. And as we look at them, we're going to learn stuff about ourselves we never knew. You're going to learn stuff about God you never knew. But the truth is this, you are not helpless, you are not a victim, you have options, and prayer is your greatest option. And I want you to know that and understand that today. 
We experience breakthrough in our lives when we lean into who God is. When we focus on the character of God. When it feels like we're being tossed about, but we can quiet everything and really seek God and live, lean into God. Because we're living in a day and age that the church and as individuals, it is time as the body that we ignite and reignite the flames of powerful prayer in our church. Prayers that, that, that go against what's happening in the spirit world. Prayers that, that, that God calls us to, to intercede for people in our lives. And so I want to begin with this series, looking at a prayer from Moses, to look at what it means to stand in the gap for someone else. This is what we would call in the church world intercessory prayer. This is one of the more famous accounts in the Bible, but before I get to it, I, I need to give a, a, some context of the passage, which will take a few minutes, but then we're going to get straight to the points. The context of this passage is that God had chosen a man named Moses through extraordinary circumstances to be his mouthpiece, to be his leader, to be the one that God would use to bring people out of bondage, which were the children of Israel. And so God used him to do that. So the story today, the account today, as we lead up to it, the children of Israel have already been delivered. They've come out of slavery and they're heading to their promised land. And they've experienced miracles. They've seen plagues given by God. They've had a, 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 um, a pillar of fire by night. They had a cloud by day. The fire at night kept them warm. The cloud during the day kept them from being sunburned. They were, they, were, they were living under the supernatural realm of God. They had seen God part the Red Sea. They had seen their whole nation walk across on dry ground. I mean, these were people, they, it wasn't as though they had never seen the miracles of God. They had seen them time and time and time again. And so it's been 50 days since they've left Egypt as we're coming to the passage today. They've come to what's called the desert of Sinai. God led them there and they come and they set up their camp in the shadow of Mount Sinai. And God calls Moses from the mountain. Moses, I want you to come up the mountain. Moses goes up the mountain. Now the children of Israel have camped. They've got their, they're, they're all, they're hanging out. The few million of them, they're, they're chilling. There they are. Moses goes up and he meets with God. And God tells Moses, listen, I want you to go down. I want you to tell my people this from my heart. Out of Exodus 19, this is what Moses comes down. And he says this to the people, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Very, very important here. That a believer in the New Testament, as you come to Christ, you are, your identity changes from a sinner to you are now a priest and you are a part of a holy nation, the people and the family of God. But there's something very powerful about this passage. And so Moses tells them and they're, they're, they, they hear it, they receive it, and then the people reply in verse 8, this is what they say, we will do everything the Lord has said. So there's this commitment and covenant. Then God tells Moses, tell the, tell the children to prepare themselves. In three days, we're going to do something really special. But in two of those three days, you need to consecrate yourself. You need to go through all, the, all these things and, and, and because I'm going to do something in your midst in three days. And so the morning of the third day came and there was thunder and there was lightning and a dark cloud ascended. And God came to the top of Mount Sinai. 
The shofar was blasting, the ground was trembling, and the people of God, they were trembling too. And Moses led them out of the camp, and they came to the base of Mount Sinai. And they came and they stood at the foot of the mountain. The mountain was covered with smoke. The mountain was shaking. And the Bible says the Lord descended on the top of Mount Sinai and then calls Moses to the top of the mountain. And on top of Mount Sinai, God gives Moses the laws. He gives him the Ten Commandments. He gives him multiple, multiple laws. And this was really mo- laws about how to worship God. They didn't, the people didn't have an identity, and now all of a sudden, this is how you worship me. Gave them laws about this is how you, you are to, 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 uh, to lead your society. Gave the Ten Commandments, the moral laws of God. And these laws were given, though, please hear me today, as a divine gift to them. God was saying something to them. He's saying, I'm bringing you into my family. I'm setting you aside for myself. And this was really their constitution as a nation was the Ten Commandments and the laws and the Book of the Covenant. This was the birth of their nation. They were just a people group before. They were just a people in slavery. They were just a people who who really didn't have an identity. They didn't know who they were. They were slaves to Egypt. And it's at this moment that God himself gives them an identity, draws near to them, shows his desire to come to them to father them, to protect them, to give rules for their lives to be lived by. And it's important for us to understand the same thing for us when we come into the knowledge of Jesus Christ and we give our lives to him and we receive forgiveness. No longer do we live our lives according to our feelings, our emotions, what we think. We live our lives now from the constitution of a believer, which is the Bible. Amen. That's what tells us who we are. That's what tells us how we are to live our lives in marriage, how we're to live our lives as we raise children, how we're to live our lives with the area of our own sexuality. This This is what the scripture says. It doesn't matter what we think or feel. This is what God calls us to, and his ways are always greater than our ways. Amen? And so as a believer, that's what we do. We step into that. And so they were receiving the law. And it was for them. This is their moment. And they were, they were, they understood that this God was the God. He controls the clouds. He controls the earth. He controls the sun. He controls the seas. They knew. And Moses had gone up to see God several times. And the passage we're coming to right now is this is his sixth time he's going to go up the mountain. And before he does, he builds an altar at the foot of Mount Sinai. He sets 12 pillars up just to signify the 12 tribes of Israel. And he makes an offering before the Lord. And then he reads the book of the covenant that had been given to them over the, over the, the several times he'd been up the mountain. They had written it down. And he stands up and he reads the book in front of all the people. And they say, Together, as what they said earlier, verse 7, we will do everything the Lord has said we will obey. And so God invites Moses up. And he says this, verse 12, Moses, come up to me on the mountain and stay here and I will give you the tablets of stone. So the first time the Ten Commandments were given, it was just spoken. This was the time now God was going to write them with his finger on tablets of stone. The laws and commandments I've written and their instructions. So Moses goes up. Now this time Moses is gone. 
for 40 days. So the people are getting nervous. I mean, he's, Moses, he's our man. He's our connection to God. But he's been gone for 40 days and 40 nights. And while he's up on the mountain having this amazing time, being in heaven up on the mountain, hell is breaking loose down the mountain. This is a very famous passage and account. And so leading up to this point, God was talking about his people. God was calling the children of Israel, his, my people, my covenant with them. Now all of a sudden, something's going on down the mountain. Verse 7, God tells Moses, go down because your people, <laughs> whom you brought out of Egypt. Moses was like, hang on a second, God. My people. And you have to catch this for a moment. There's something God is doing. He's inviting Moses to step into his rightful place as a spiritual leader. And so God says, hey, Moses, uh, your, your people, whom you brought out of Egypt, they have become corrupt. Now, it's hard to think how you could become corrupt because, I mean, they experience all this stuff. This kind of sounds like, like a mom or dad when you're, you're talking about your kids and one of your kids did something that day and you'd, you'd say to your husband or your wife, hey, um, just, just so you know, you won't believe what your son did. Now, God was not deflecting responsibility. He was actually inviting Moses into a place of intercession. I don't know what had happened up on, uh, down around the, uh, the base of the mountain, but for some reason, the children of Israel thought, listen, Moses is gone. He was our connection to God. God is way out there. And so what are we going to do? And they turned their eyes away from what they knew. And so God, God goes on to say this in verse 8. He says this, describing what's happening. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. They've experienced everything. And for so, in, in this moment, they make their own God with their own hands. And then they say to the whole nation, this God that we just made, that is our gods who brought us up out of Egypt. The people of Israel had placed their trust into a thing, something Created versus the creator. And they're guilty of what the Bible calls idolatry. And Moses, their leader, apparently him being gone made them feel like they had no more access to God. They can't see it. They can't touch it. And they wanted something they could touch. They wanted something they could understand. And they placed their attention and their worship and their resources. They, it, even in the scripture it says that they took their rings, their gold, and they, and they used that gold to create this idol. Well, where did they get the gold? God gave it to them. Before they left Egypt, very interesting, God says, you can go into the household of the Egyptians and take whatever you want. And like any good person, they went for the gold first. That's what they did. So God had provided for them resources, and here they are giving their resources, their attention, their worship to something else, to the created versus the creator. 
And they chose to worship a created thing instead of their redeemer, instead of their creator. Now, I'm not teaching on idolatry today, but it's so important for us to know that any created thing in our lives can be an object of idolatry. Anything that God would create can be an object of our idolatry. We're all created to worship God. We were made to worship God. You were, you, you were redeemed in us. We, we will worship something. And what happens is we can begin to put our hope into something other than God. We begin to give the type of devotion, the type of resources, attention that is only designed to be given to God. We begin to give it to the created thing versus the creator. And we, like the children of Israel, can be guilty of the same things. Of giving that affection, giving that time, giving that thought, giving that trust, giving that hope into a created thing. Now listen, that could be you put your trust and hope in a man, in a leader, in a pastor, in a president, in sex, in a substance, and we give to that created thing that which is only created to be given to God. We must remember, you have to remember that the worship is about glorifying God, not gratifying self. This golden calf is what the people wanted. It couldn't talk, couldn't tell them what to do, and they could manipulate it and try to bend the rules and get something out of their worship to the golden calf. So that's what they did for the children of Israel. Yes, they had a sin problem, but my, my friends, listen, they really had a worship problem. They were worshiping something else. And whatever we look to as our main source to give us hope, to give us security, whatever we look to, it could be an election, it could be anything, it could be finances, Anything we look to give us peace and assurance and satisfaction and security, if it is outside of God and God alone, then we have a worship problem. And when we have a worship problem, we, what happens is, is we really have a sin problem. But the sin comes from where we put our affection. Even in our own personal life, listen, pornography addiction is a worship problem. Anger problem is a worship problem. Your love of money is a worship problem. And you can see, even when you look at the love of money, you can see these idols being exposed. You can historically track any time the economy tanks and people lose money, people commit suicide. People take their life. Why? Because that which they place their hope in is taken from them. The truth is this, my friends, our nation has a worship problem. Our families have a worship problem. The children of Israel had a worship problem because, because God is just, because God is holy. The scripture says that God became angry. Then God said this to Moses. Verse 10, he says, leave me, Moses. So that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. God is like, listen Moses, give me some space. I'm ticked off. You know what Moses? How about this? I'll just start over with you. 
I'll, ju I'll just start with you. Now, many of the scholars, many of the commentaries say, really, this was, this was a question from God to, again, engage Moses and to step into his rightful place. For Moses to understand that he is an interceder, that he, is, he can pray for people, he can intercede for this nation, he can intercede for these people in his life that are precious to him. And really, this is, a, this is a rhetorical statement. God said this knowing Moses' response, but he was calling Moses. And now I want to look at this prayer of Moses and see briefly what we can learn from it and how it can transform your, your life and give you and those in your life breakthroughs through prayer. Exodus 32, Moses says to God, he responds to that. Moses sought the favor of the Lord as God. Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people? whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and mighty hand. Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger. Relent and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky and will give your descendants all this land I promised them and it will be their inheritance forever. The psalmist writes in 106 regarding this prayer of Moses. This is what he says. So he said, speaking of God, he would not destroy them had not Moses, his chosen one, stood in the breach before him to keep his wrath from destroying them. I'm going to talk to you today about standing in the gap for people in your life. How to stand in the gap for others. So the first point that we learn from this passage is this number one, when we stand in the gap for people, we can pray. When we pray, we need to pray believing that God answers prayers. Again, God has invited you to pray. Yes, Jesus has, has drank the cup of full wrath of God on the cross. Yes, absolutely. But there is something that God uses us to do in the lives of other people. We are praying now from a place of incredible grace and incredible impact. This interaction between God and Moses was about Moses moving towards intercession. It was God getting Moses to understand, I've set you as a leader over these people in this place to be a leader that intercedes and prays for people. God invited Moses to get involved. And I, I believe this is God telling Moses, this is what I'm going to do unless you intervene and get involved, Moses. This was though a, an invitation and God being sovereign knew what Moses' response would be. In the book of Amos, God shows Amos that he would, what he's going to do to Israel. But because the prophet interceded, it says that God relented. The prophet Jonah announced God's threat to destroy Nineveh. And 40 days, in 40 days, but actually Jonah understood it was a call to repentance and they repented and God did not destroy. This is an understanding that God uses his people to do things and to intercede. This is what's happening here in Exodus. God was invited Moses to pray and Moses did pray and God did turn his wrath away. And this was Moses being a mediator. Same way that Jesus came to be a mediator between us and God, except Jesus himself fully embodied the wrath of God. So where are we now as we seek God and pray for people? We are praying with the understanding that God has still given us a position to pray over our families. 
Men who are leading your homes, you have a spiritual position and you have power when you pray over your family. And before you think, wait a minute, so, God, so Moses changed God's mind. He actually didn't. You must know that God's thoughts and mind and plans for his nation was to bless them. That was his plan. Was to stand in the, for Moses, it was to stand in the gap. Moses understood this. It was Moses' job, he understood, to preserve. And Moses was invited by God to carry out God's plan. This is a, it, it, this is a theological issue here that some people get confused with. But for us, as the people of God, you can stand in the gap for your family. You can stand in the gap for your husband or for your wife. You can stand in the gap for your nation. You can come into alignment with God's plan and you can pray. You are not helpless. You are not a victim. You have options and your greatest option is prayer. Second thing we learned from Moses is number two, you can pray with the grace of God in mind. Moses stood on the ground of God's grace. That's why he says in verse 11, Lord, he says, why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? What was Moses doing? He was standing on the ground that God is a God of grace. How did the children of Israel get out of Egypt? On their own power? No. Did they do anything to deserve to be set free? No. Did they somehow prove to God that they'd be, they'd be a good people if he'd set them free? No. Why did God deliver them and set them free? Because he is a God of grace. He's a God that's abounding in mercy. And he's a God that is slow to anger. And, and Moses was appealing and standing on the ground of God's grace as he was praying for God's people. It was the grace of God. God is both the God of grace, but also God is the God of justice. So how do we wrestle with these two things? Remember when the children of Israel were delivered from Egypt. What was it that there was an act of justice? Well, we know on the night that it was called the death angel to, that was going to come, it was an act of judgment. And so God said this, I want you as the people of Israel, I want you to take a lamb, I want you to slain the, 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 kill the lamb, then place the blood of the lamb on the doorpost of your home. And when judgment comes, it will pass over. That's why it's called Passover. And so on the basis of a sacrifice, there was some justice that from that became and came the grace of God. God is both God of grace and justice. And so we know this, that even today, that when we come to God, we are coming to God with the understanding of the grace of God. Moses knew that God had a plan. Moses, Moses knew, yes, they had sinned horrifically. Moses didn't excuse their sin, but he interceded with the knowledge that God has a plan for these people. God had created them to know him. God has a purpose for them. God did knit them together in their mother's womb. And God's will is, now we are in the New Testament, that no one would perish. That's God's will. And when praying for others, as people of God, you must keep the character of God in mind. Because here's the truth. Many people today pray for the judgment of God to fall on a particular group of people. Christians do it all the time. 
They pray that the judgment would be shown versus the grace of God. Many believers who want to pour out judgment on others, but the truth is we want to be shown grace ourselves. But the grace of God has been made available to all by the blood of Jesus Christ. As Jesus also drank the cup of God's wrath. So when we come before God, we are, we, are, we are coming and asking and praying based off of the proven grace of God that he sent his son to die on this earth. He sent us to die for someone who didn't deserve it, which include me. And when we come to pray and to intercede and to believe that God is a God that honors our prayers, that's why Jesus said, you need to seek, you need to ask, you need to knock, that the door would be open. He invites us understanding the grace of God to intercede and pray for people in our lives. And this is what you need to know today is this. There is no place, there is no person, there is no nation that is too far gone, that the grace of God cannot transform their lives. God is inviting you to pray, to stand in the gap on behalf of your children as moms and dads, on the behalf of your spouse, to pray that God would move, that God would open their eyes, that God would heal. As people of God, called to be a holy nation, to be kings and priests, it's our job to pray and to intercede on behalf of the LGBTQ community and pray that God moves in their midst, pray that God brings them to salvation. It's our job to pray and intercede for the adulterer, for the addict, for our nation, of our leaders, that the grace of God would be poured out on this world and this nation. And God invites you to stand in the gap for those in your life. I'll tell you this today, I am here today, I'm, I'm being honest with you, because my mom interceded for me every single morning. I'd wake up, my, me and my brothers, we'd go to school, she would have red eyes every morning because she was interceding and praying. I could hear her praying downstairs every single morning. Now, it might have been because she had three teenage sons, but I think it was for my soul, that's what I'm thinking. Maybe it was for her, God help me. But she interceded for us. And God used that prayers in my life. Parents, you have a powerful weapon. You are not helpless in the decisions of your kids. You are not, you are not helpless at, oh my gosh, they're doing this. Yes, they have a free will, but you have an incredible tool. It's called the tool of prayer and intercession over your family and over the people in your life. And we do that knowing that the grace of God wants to move in their lives. The next ground that we stand on when we intercede for others is number three, we pray with the glory of God in mind. Verse 12 says, why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent? Moses is like, listen, God, why, why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out? To kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth. Turn from your fierce anger. Relent and do not bring disaster on your people. Moses, yes, was concerned about the preservation of the people of Israel, but he was also concerned about the glory of his God. He knew, though the children of Israel were flawed, they were sinful, they were idolatrous, they were still God's people. God still had a plan for them. But he did not want the enemy to somehow be able to boast and gloat over their destruction, thereby 
boasting over the Lord himself. This was Moses understanding you are my God and I am going to pray with the glory of God in mind. Moses prays to God and he's motivated by the, the glory of God. The glory of God is a great motivator when you pray and when you ask God for something for people in your life. For me, the principle of the praying, understanding the glory of God is a motivator when I intercede for our nation as a whole. Cheryl and I, we've had the opportunity to minister around 27 nations, and we love the nations, we love our nation. But do you know what the United States of America is known for all around the world? We're known to be a Christian nation. Now, I, I know, I know, not everybody is Christian. I know that a nation cannot be Christian. It's the people within it. But we are known to be God, a God-fearing nation. And as I pray for our nation, I consider how we as a country are known as a, as a Christian nation. And how that comes across to people. Why? Because God's name has been attached to us. It's known that God has used the church in the U.S. to send missionaries around the world. It's known. God's used us as a nation to fight for freedoms of other people and other nations. God has used our economy to send billions and billions of dollars to the world that's hurting for aid and support. So when I pray for the nation, I ask God to preserve us for the sake of his name, to raise up leaders who protect freedom of worship for the sake of his name, to protect us, to bless us for the sake of his name, to expose deception, corruption for the sake of his name, to heal our divided nation polit politically and racially for the sake of his name, that he would promote and hold, that we would promote and hold in high honor the Marriage, God's model of marriage between a man and a woman for the sake of his name. We would have laws that protect babies in the wombs of our mothers for the sake of his name. And I pray this, asking God to show mercy on our nation. You are not a victim. We are not helpless. We have options, and our greatest option is prayer. For you parents who dedicated your children today or you have in the past, as you, as they grow up and if they go astray, listen, you intercede for them for the sake of the name of God. God, we marked this child with your name when we dedicated them. I gave this child to you, God, and I'm gonna stand in the gap for the sake of your name on my child's life. Have mercy on my son, have mercy on my daughter. For the sake of your name, rescue them in the name of Jesus. For the sake of your name, preserve them, protect them, keep them, thwart every plan of the enemy. For the sake of your name, my child belongs to you, God. You can pray that for your marriage as you stood and you, you, you dedicated your marriage to the Lord. You got married and, and you used scripture and he was present and they, you, were, you were prayed over at your marriage. Listen, when it begins to, to, to feel like this is tough, Lord, for the sake of your name, heal my marriage. For the sake of your name, heal my heart. For the sake of your name, re restore the bitterness. Make this heart of stone that's become bitter into a heart of flesh. For the sake of your name, Lord, your name marks our marriage. And for the sake of your name, come and move in our midst. This is intercessory prayer that you can pray. And prayer has great power. Number four, the last ground that we stand on in intercessory prayer is this, number four. We pray with the promises and the faithfulness of God in mind. This is what Moses did. 
Though this was an Old Testament picture, this was a great example of we as believers, what we can do in our own lives. And so Moses says, remember your servants Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky, and I will give you descendants Descends, I will give your descendants all this land I promised them and it will be their inheritance forever. There was no greater ground that Moses could stand and pray and intercede for his people than the faithfulness and the promises of God that aren't changing. They are forever and they are ours as believers in Christ Jesus. But Moses stood on that ground and you can do the same. In this moment, Moses stood in the gap for his people, not because what they were, because it's obvious their sin was exposed. You don't stand in the gap for the family in your life or even your nation, whatever it may be, because of who they were or who they are. Listen, we all are flawed. We all fall short. They had, this people of Israel had nowhere to hide, but he was able to stand and pray for them. Not based upon who they were, but based upon who God was and the character of God. There are many occasions that we can intercede for ourselves, for our families, for other people, for our nation. And we don't come before God based off upon who you are. As a believer, we come before God based off of who Jesus is. The Lord, I am clothed in the righteousness of God. And you have brought me and redeemed me to be a king and a priest, to intercede for those in my life. I come before you not because I am perfect, but because your son is perfect. And you sent him. So that I could be clothed and covered in his blood and redeemed. So God, I come before you on behalf of my children, on behalf of this situation. We come before God based off of his promises. That if his people would humble themselves, he would heal their land. That if we ask, we seek, we knock, the door will be open. That we would pray, God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, I need provision. So, Lord, I'm asking you, give me today the bread and the food that I need. Why, why can we do that? Because they are promises in the word of God. They're scriptures that we hold on to. That we can come boldly to the throne room of grace and seek God on behalf of our families. And we can become a part of God's plan in people's lives. After Moses interceded, and he brought these things before God. Yes, this is to do with the wrath of God of the Old Testament. But again, this is a reminder that God hears prayers. And we have in verse 14, it says, The Lord relented and did not bring his people to disaster. He had threatened. When you read Scripture, you've got to understand the holiness of God. The holiness of God. He is holy. He cannot be in the presence of sin. He cannot be in the presence of corruption. It's just, it is just who he is. And so in this moment, though, we see the grace of God, that he relented. This doesn't mean, again, that God changed his mind, but it was that God invited Moses to pray, to intercede. God turned his wrath away 
God was not changing his plans, but he had invited Moses to carry out God's plan through intercession. That is the invitation to you today as leaders of your home, leaders at work, people in this church, fathers, mothers, single, doesn't matter. God has invited you to pray. And when we feel like we're helpless or we're a victim, we step back. But you are not a victim. You are not helpless. You have options. And your greatest option is to pray. God hears you. God invites you to come and and seek God on behalf of the people in your life. You have been redeemed and called by God, set into your family, set into the people you know to intercede for them, to go before God on behalf of them. To say, God, I pray for my daughter. I pray for my son. I pray for my city. I pray for my neighbor. You have been called of God as kings and priests to rule and reign. And God invites you today. Your breakthrough is on the other side of you praying. Yes, I I titled this series pray your breakthrough depends on it but really today's message is pray someone else's breakthrough depends on it and this is the invitation that God gives us we're going to have an incredible time as we continue to learn from these prayers in scripture they're deep they're rich they're empowering and again I want you to hear my heart today you are an overcomer you have options and prayer is your greatest option Let me pray. Father, I want to thank you for your word that speaks to us, that challenges us, that ministers to us. Lord, today, I sense in my heart right now, God, you have called men and women to step up into their rightful place, to be interceders for their friends, interceders for their lost co-workers. They are to intercede for their husband and their wife. God, there are, there's Husband and wives here today who have never prayed for one another. Today, God, you are showing them that you have great breakthrough on the other side of their prayers. Lord, today we ask you that as we continue to grow in our understanding of prayer, that we would understand the spirit that lives in us, the power that we possess through prayer. That, Lord, you are calling us to stand in the gap For children that have gone astray. And we will stand in the gap and pray and and stand and and by the grace of God. Lord, we're, we're asking you today that you would touch and minister to and reach all those children that are represented of this house. That have backslidden, that have gone away. We ask you right now on behalf of these children that you would send your ministering angels, God, to, to get them, to, to be around them. To cut them, to, to God, to cut every strategy of the enemy off of their life. God, that you would close up every door of influence on their life that's causing them to stumble and to fall. God, I pray that you would soften their hearts. God, I pray that you'd open up their eyes. God, we pray as the people of this church, for the children of this church, that they will be saved. You have marked them, and we're asking you to bring them into the harvest. God, let us walk in that calling of intercessors for the people in our lives. Lord, I thank you that we will step from here and continue to grow together in prayer. As we seek you, thank you for your word. Thank you that you have sent your son for us to give us access to you. 
And Lord, help us to walk it out. Help us to remember today we are not a victim. We are not helpless. We have options. And prayer is our greatest option. So we commit this to you in Jesus' name. Just remain with your heads bowed for a moment. If you're here today and you would say, I do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. And if I was to leave this world today, I do not know if I would be in heaven or hell. And if you want to give your life to Jesus, if you want to receive the forgiveness of Jesus and be brought into his family, nobody's looking around. I want you just to raise your hand right now. Just hold it up so I can see you today. God bless you. Thank you. Just hold your hand really high so I can see anybody else. I want to make sure that we give the option for you to receive. God bless you. Thank you. Amen. If you, God bless you. Thank you. If you have raised your hand and you want to receive the forgiveness of Jesus, I want you just to pray this prayer. We're going to pray it with you. The Bible says if you pray it, believe it, you will be saved. Let's pray it all together. Say, Lord Jesus, I receive your forgiveness. I admit that I'm a sinner and I need you. Forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose from the dead and I give you my life today. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. And from this moment forward, with your help, I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. You're going to do great and mighty things with my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand today. If you gave your life to Jesus, let me ask you to do me a quick favor. Right in front of you is a connect card. You can fill that out. Check the box. Gave my life to Jesus. And when you leave, you can drop it off in the, in the bucket. Or you can, you can uh, get on our app and you can sign up and say, gave my life to Jesus. Also, if you have some prayer requests, you'd like to write on that connect card. You can also do that and drop that when you leave. Let's all stand to our feet. And I just would love the opportunity to pray and bless you today. We have a lot of moving pieces and moving parts today. But I'm excited for all that God's doing and what he's doing in your lives. Listen, we need each other. And we need to understand God's call on our lives to pray. But I'm going to bless you. If you can, just lift your hands to receive from the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray your supernatural, provisional, full of favor blessing on our people. God, may you show them what you are working and what you have in store. May they hear the promises of your word that you're calling them to. Lord, I want to thank you that you're giving clarity to areas that maybe they have not had clarity. You're opening doors that only you can open. You're closing doors that only you can close. And so, Lord, I pray that each person would walk in a fresh revelation of your favor and your love. Bless their marriages. Bless their home. Bless their friendships. Bless their workplaces, wherever they walk. May they walk with the understanding that they are a child of God and they bring the kingdom of God wherever they go. Bless them and release them to be everything you called them to be. In Jesus' name, we all say amen and amen and amen. Love you guys. I'm grateful for you. So grateful for you. If you need any prayer, all right, we have some prayer partners. We'd love to pray with you. We are for you. God bless you. Have a great day.